Welcome to today's episode of The Money Mitch Effect. I am your host, Mitch Michaels, and I hope everyone's having a great Christmas week, enjoying the sports season. Plenty to talk about on today's show. Talking to Kent Brown, Yahoo Sports betting producer, we're going to break down the beginning of bull season. We make picks in a lot of games, a lot of wacky breakdowns there. We go up through about the 29th or so. Let Kent talk about his Miami and Notre Dame squads as well. Uh, a lot of college football talk, a lot of games to watch, maybe to bet on if that's your thing. So Ken Brown and I break down all of those games. And then Ryan Souls joins the show to talk NFL through 15 weeks. Aaron Rodgers looking like the MVP frontrunner. His Packers have the number one spot. It's still a muddled playoff picture. We try to find seven teams in each conference to make the playoffs. And the Chiefs being back as well. We break all that down. It's Kent Brown and Ryan Souls on today's Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect, back again to preview bowl season. Yahoo Sports betting producer Kent Brown is here. Kent, uh, I know it's been good times and bad for you, and I know in bad times you're you're not more of the you know crazy psychotic sports betting producer type. You're more of the hopeless, lost the will to live type when the betting gets bad. But thank you for joining the show. Yeah, and sometimes you know, like the difference between a one dollar bet that's offered and a two dollar bet can make a world of difference. Uh, especially when you kind of cross over into 99 Franklin Street. There's always reasons that you need to be able to earn a living and make your bets. And uh, like you said, though, the hopeless type, a little bit more on my radar than the crazy psychotic one for sure. I think we're in agreement here. I mean, we really just enjoy this time of year. Everyone always debates like what the best is and what the best sports time. But there's just something about, you know, I like having a lot of these games. Some would call them meaningless. And I know players are starting to opt out more. But give me a random bowl game on a weekday during daylight hours and I'm a happy guy. Yeah, I agree. I I wish the opt-outs wouldn't happen and that it makes it more fun to watch the best players play in these games. You know, in particular, like the Peach Bowl with Kenny Pickett and Kenneth Walker the third. That game definitely gets demoted in terms of like having to watch it with the best players out there. But overall, it's fun to have bowl games. The more games, the better, as far as I'm concerned. And as you said, like what else are you doing for the most part during the holiday seasons at noon to 6 p.m. during the day, anyways? especially if you're in cold weather and you're visiting family, you know, popping on a uh, Western Kentucky game last week where they're putting up 59 points is fun or watching Utah state upset Oregon state at the Jimmy Kimmel LA bowl. It's fun to have. So I'm with you. I like it. I love bowl season. And even though some of the games don't quite matter the way they used to on the larger level in those new year six, it's still fun to have them on. And I look forward to watching about as many as I can. Yeah, well, is there any way we can fix that? Like, I I know obviously they're going to the pros, but you know, what offer a bonus, offer something? You know, I don't know. You know, the building on ninety nine Franklin Street. So. I don't know. <laughs> if you have an eight or twelve team playoff, that's going to help at least the top guys from bowing out if they're going to make it. And look, there are reasons to like a fourteen playoff. It makes the Ohio State Michigan game mean a lot. It makes the Michigan State Ohio State game a couple weeks before that mean a lot. It makes you know Oregon losing late in the season and getting knocked out yeah. takes them out of the playoff line. Notre Dame losing to Cincinnati was the difference between going and not going. So on that level, it's fun. But in terms of a postseason, Kenny Pickett is not sitting out if they're playing number five Georgia right now, yeah. which is where Georgia would have been. It would have been twelve. Kenneth Walker's not sitting out if Michigan State is ten 
and they're playing the seven seed right now. He would be out there. He would play. So on that level, it would be fun. And you're right. Maybe incentive is something where it's like if Chick-fil-A sponsors the Peach Bowl, maybe you do an offensive MVP that's a million dollars, and you do a defensive MVP that's a million dollars. With NIL, you're now yeah. allowed to do that. Yeah. Same with PlayStation and the Fiesta Bowl and all these bowl games. That could start. You could also have alums that step up uh-huh. and have incentives put into the contract that if a team finishes in, in a New Year's Six game, all the offensive linemen get bonuses or all of our receivers get bonuses. Whatever way there yeah. is in these NILs, you can maybe come up with a reason to play. But on the other hand, you look at like Tyron Williams at Notre Dame, he's a running back. There's wear and tear. He's been a warrior through his two years as a starter. You know, he plays as hard as anybody, but he has the agents that are already his agents telling him, you've done enough. You don't need to play this game. Let's start training for the draft right now. And it kind of makes sense if you're him. It's not a playoff game. Uh, Kyle Hamilton at Notre Dame is Mm. injured. He's missed the last five games. It's probably not worth him playing. So it does stink as a fan. You want your team that you root for to play all year. But I get why if you're not in the playoffs, why you might say, I want to avoid playing three, four extra quarters where a guy can get hurt. Look Mm -hmm. at Jalen Smith a few years back against Ohio State. And it really did mess up his career in many ways. He had one really good contract, but he went to the second round. And now he's virtually either out of the league or probably going to be a backup the rest of his career. So, you know, it does factor in. And I can't fault some of these guys for it. But just selfishly as a fan, it would be nice to see all these guys play. I'm just thinking of uh, incentivizing it like MVP, defensive player, million dollars. Guys on their own team are literally fighting each other over fumble recoveries. Would be fun to see. And and we did and we did talk about the fact too that if it's an eight to twelve team playoff as exciting and more teams in it, you could just basically in pen write Bama in every year, you know, and certain teams like Ohio State's gonna make it ninety ninety percent of the time. So uh it's a balance for sure. Uh but it's for it's a conversation for a later date. But, you know, gotta enjoy what we have now. Yeah, Bama, Ohio State, teams like that, Clemson up until this last year, Georgia right now. Those type of programs, Notre Dame lately, they would be a pretty safe bet most years to get in. And so Ohio State losing only really hurts their seeding. But you want to win your division. You want to win your conference. You want to beat your rival. I don't think it will kill the regular season. It would just mean that the top programs will get that extra reprieve where before sometimes there was no room for error, as you've seen with Ohio State tripping up or even Alabama has missed the playoff once and they've tripped up. There are precedents that says, that all these teams could miss. So we'll try to run through these bowl games as best we can. There's so many of them. I love to see it. Two, uh, as we record this on the 20th, two on the 21st, that I think this will be posted afterwards so we can kind of call our shot here. But the uh, famous Idaho Potato Bowl, always a pleasure to see Wyoming. It seems like they're in this game a lot versus Kent State. Wyoming is a three-and-a-half-point favorites there. in the Frisco Bowl, a really good matchup between UTSA and San Diego State with UTSA a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, funny memories of, I think it was Miami who played in the Idaho Potato Bowl one year, Kent, and got, it was freezing. They were terrible in that game. It was maybe the Randy Shannon days. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, always some good memories there. It was Coker's there. final game. It was, Coker's yeah, it was Larry okay. Coker's final game. Okay. Yeah, and that was, I mean, look, Kent State's Midwest, so I think you can have a closer game because they're not just going to be you know, cold on the field. But uh, I'm actually looking forward to that Frisco Bowl. This was one of my favorite bowl games, definitely in the top six or seven, I think, on the slate, uh, UTSA versus San Diego State. 
yeah, it's a great game. You have UTSA that won uh, in Conference USA. They had one loss all season. And you have a San Diego State team that for the last couple of years has been playing up here in Los Angeles and Carson, California. They, they, they're going to have a great kind of near campus stadium soon. And we know what they do well. These are two teams that, for the most part, love to run the football. Uh, you have Sincere McCormick, the, the running back for mm. UTSA, which has been awesome. Frank Wilson's been a great quarterback. And for San Diego State, they have the, the first-team All-American punter in Matt Ariza, who's been a great player. They're, they're a defensive-led team. Like This is the type of game that I think if you can get 27 points, you're probably going to win. And UTSA should be ranked. I'm not exactly sure why they're yeah. not. I guess it's just strength of schedule. But they were ranked for several weeks during the season. San Diego State was ranked most of the season. And this is a team that beat Utah, who won the Pac-12. This is a team that year after year after year seemingly wins 10-plus games. And for the Roadrunners, this is the biggest game they've ever had where they get a top-25 team in a bowl game after a conference championship. So I'm, I'm with you. I don't know if it quite matches up to you know the New Year's Six in terms of prestige, but just in terms of what these teams have done all year, this is definitely one of the better you know pre-December 28th type of bowl games. Yeah, I think this is going to be great. I, I'm going to roll with uh, Utsa, as they say, uh, in that one. I'll, th- I'll say Wyoming in the other one, but I think it's going to be a great game. San Diego State had a great year up until they just didn't show up. Uh, hard to blame the uh, <laughs> you know the lack of fans for that one. Utah State, who also had a very good bowl win in the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl out here in Los Angeles. Uh, we go to the next day, Kent, and it's the Armed Forces Bowl. Uh, when I think Armed Forces, I think Columbia, Missouri. They get to play Army in this one. Yeah, Missouri's rush defense has been horrible all season, and we know what Army does well, and that's run the football. So sometimes in bowl games you can overestimate matchups, and it doesn't end up panning out. But Army isn't the type of team that's going to change the way it plays. So I like their chances in this game. Now, this might be similar to the Wake Forest Army game where Missouri just matches them point by point, and it's a complete shootout. I would say and so far in bowl games, because we're recording this Monday night, there's been nine bowl games so far. There's been six underdogs that covered, and then then on top of it, seven overs. Mm -hmm. So when you look at it, in these type of games, I'd say go with the over, and then sometimes you want to – if you're going to bet an underdog, bet them to win outright as well. Exactly. Because a lot of times in bowl games, underdogs not not only cover, but when they cover, they win outright on way higher odds than regular season uh, teams that cover as a dog. So, so far this season – Six of those underdogs that have covered, four of them won outright. So when it comes to Kent State or UTSA, mm-hmm. or if you like Missouri in this game as a dog, throw some money on the money line as well. And I would feel pretty good about the over in this Mizzou Army game. I think 56.5 seems a little low. Yeah, and you just that this the theme is you don't really know what to expect. I mean, Utah State put a quarterback in who threw a touchdown on his first career pass. Uh, what the motivation levels are for some of these teams, for some of these players. Uh, I agree. I mean, I think if you like an underdog, it's money line or bust in a lot of cases. Hey, and and also as we transition to the next game, Kent, there was a, a lot of talk about the fan support for some of these bowl games. You know, some of the stadiums are empty. Uh, some of the fans just some of the bowls just do not have fans because of where it's located, marketing, the fan bases, you name it. The Gasparilla Bowl might have might be basically a sellout. This is UCF Stream. They wanted this matchup. Florida minus seven and a half point favorites taking on the Gus Buses team. And uh, Florida, I guess you could say limps in, but 
they're going to be uh, undergoing the coaching change next year. UCF wants this game. They had a, a really up-and-down season as well. How do you see UCF matching up against the Gators and a chance to really you know, have some interstate bragging rights? Yeah, I think what's interesting about this game is, as you said, it's a sellout. Uh, it's the two largest public schools that played Division One football in the state of Florida. And UCF's wanted this game for a while. They're going to treat this as if it's a huge marketing pitch for their sort of program where if they can beat the Gators, they can now have on their resume that they've you know won in your, and then if they can beat the Gators. On the other hand, Florida did beat your rival to state to end the season. You've made it to a bowl game, and now everybody on this team is trying to impress the new coaching staff. Now, I don't know what happens in a December bowl game matters that much come next fall and next spring, but it's a good precursor that if you're trying to win a job, go out and play well against the talented UCF team. I look at this matchup and I say, I think the UCF matches up fairly well because they have a lot of really good athletes and they've beaten good teams over the last few years and competed with some of the best teams on their schedule. And for the Florida Gators, they're hurting right now. Like the Florida Gators team, this is not a team with a ton of high-end talent that's healthy. Uh, you do have you know, quarterback in Anthony Richardson that looks like he'll be the guy going forward now that Emory Jones is in the portal. But I would lean towards saying the Gators do find a way to win this game. But I would say that this is a perfect live bet opportunity. I found myself the last month or two making the most money betting on live betting where you watch a game, you see the teams play 10, 15 minutes, and then you get a feel for what's happening. Bowl games are great examples of that, especially if you had a lean prior to the game. But I look at this as a great example of that where you're going to know 10 minutes in whether Florida wants to be there or if UCF can match up. Because if the answer is no, they don't want to be there, and UCF can match up, then you really feel good about them not only covering but winning. So I think it'll be a close game. My hunch is the Gators win, but I wouldn't bet this pregame. I'd let it play out a little bit. Yeah, anybody can move the ball in Florida. We saw that from Samford earlier this year. But uh, I, I think UCF is not this darling good feel-good feel story. They, they've had some clunkers in there, too. I'm with you. Maybe let this one play out. Uh, Frisco Football Classic is a new bowl game, North Texas and Miami of Ohio, from a lot of fans to, well, we'll see how many fans show up at this game. But North Texas gets to play close to home. Uh, Miami of Ohio, congratulations. You're bowl eligible. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have believed it how if about I didn't this? see it. The fighting, this is the Hollywood Blonde Bowl. You have the fighting Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin played defensive line for North Texas back in the day. Yeah. And then Brian Tillman played D-line for the Miami, Ohio Redhawks. So how about that? You have the uh, so it's, Hollywood it's, Blonde yeah, yeah, reuniting. It's, I mean, it's Austin 316 versus Pillmeter, Pillman Glock Millimeter. <laughs> exactly. You almost wonder, like, if you're North Texas, this is a local game for them. Uh, mm-hmm. Frisco's nearby. They're in Denton, Texas. You would like your fan base to come out and support it. But, like, it would be fun to get stone cold in the fold with that program. And maybe they do. I'm not down there locally. But you would got to imagine that, like, they should be able to get Stone Cold on some sort of Zoom or some sort of stage near where he, you know, where he does his Broken Skull sessions and just have him pump out, like, 30 promos for the mean oh, yeah. green in North Texas football. Because that would help. Like, if I'm a recruit and I get to visit North Texas and then I'm deciding between them and other Conference USA schools that are very similar – I would very much be sold on Stone Cold Steve Austin cutting a promo at my recruiting visit than if I visit Louisiana Tech and nobody does that. So 
hopefully they hopefully they they utilize him a little bit more. And you know, again, the Pillman Bowl mm-hmm. with Stone Cold, it should be a fun game. Can they North do- Texas killed killed UTSA. Yeah. So if you look at UTSA this year, they only had one loss. It was the Mean Green that blew them out. Yeah, can we do that for Vince McMahon at East Carolina? Can we do that as well? <laughs> I wonder if he even knows. That he went to school football. there? Oh, so, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, don't, I mean, I didn't know where you were going with that. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it would it makes sense. If you can tie in famous alumni, why not? Um, they did. I mean, they, they killed the UTSA, which, you know, I don't know how they lost all those other games. Didn't really watch all the schedule. All right, Kent Brown here, Money Mitch Effect, Christmas Eve, the Hawaii Bowl. Hawaii is in it despite being 6-7. and seven. They're taking on Memphis. Kent, I have a tried and true theory of usually liking Hawaii in this game. But uh, Todd Graham, not really a fan. Don't really like the winds of change that I'm hearing at the program there. A lot of stuff's come out. Uh, I have to feel like his days might be numbered based on just all the reports, the onslaught of reports about how unhappy everybody is at the program with him. You would think so. I mean, the one thing is Hawaii at this point is behind the eight ball and there aren't many coaching jobs out there that are still out there. There is one guy, though. There's Nick Rolovich, who was the Hawaii coach. He left there to go up to Washington State. Now, I don't know what the mandates in Hawaii are. You would think they would be strict on the COVID mandates, and maybe Rolovich wouldn't qualify for that job again. But he did a hell of a job there, and maybe he doesn't want to coach there again. But I would at least look into that to see what his interest is. Yeah, Todd Graham, it wasn't a great fit from the start. Todd Graham is, I think he's an okay coach overall. He almost never has terrible teams. But when you look at Hawaii, uh, I like kind of the West Coast guys, guys that have a Hawaii background. Like if Dino Babers got let go at Syracuse in a year or two, he's a Hawaii grad. I think he would fit perfectly to go back. But, yeah, I, I would think for Todd Graham, if this isn't the end, it will probably be during next season. Like they'll let him coach, and then it will be in October or November. He'll get fired next year. So uh, mm-hmm. and, and for Memphis, Memphis is trying to rebuild itself up as a program. They were very good with Justin Puente. They were very good with Mike Norvell. And since then, they've just been okay. Yeah. So it would be a nice win for them to cap off their season with a bowl win. And if you're going to spend Christmas Eve anywhere, you might as well spend it in Hawaii if you're, if you're going bowling. I just want, I know Matt Gothard, friend of the show, is the same way. We just want Hawaii to be fun, right? You know, we just want a coach that's going to open it up and sling it selfishly <laughs> for, for people that want 100%. to take. A hundred percent. When you put on those games that are late on the West Coast, like when there are games starting at 8 or 9 p.m. Pacific time, you need that team to be as entertaining as possible. Yeah. And that's not what Hawaii has been under Todd Graham. Yeah. I mean, we got to keep you out of the other places you would go if Hawaii didn't have exciting games. So that's my biggest biggest mantra as well um all right so christmas day ball state takes on georgia state at 2 30 uh eastern time good to see football on christmas day pro, pro and college actually and uh yeah ken i'll probably be watching this game right around the time rogers throws his fourth touchdown against the browns so i'll probably get to watch a lot of this one exactly now imagine you're like a diehard ball state guy i'm all in <laughs> and you're like a cleveland brown guy or something and you have to make yeah. a determination like yeah. i get to watch both of these and and enjoy the games, and then it's just it just does not go your way. Overall, in this game, I don't have a strong opinion on this. I liked Ball State last year when they won the match. They were a great defense, and this year the defense has taken a step back. The team's been very average. This game's in Montgomery, Alabama. Georgia State, somewhat local, seemingly has been the better team throughout the year. So I'll go with 
Georgia State here. I'll say that the Panthers get the win and get their eighth win of the season, but I don't feel strongly about it. Because it's Christmas Day, there's a pretty good chance I do bet this or throw it in some sort of parlay. You know what? More than likely, I'll just take the over and ride it and hope the points are scored. But this isn't a game that, like, I wish there was a more exciting game where you had, like, even a low-end Power 5 team against a group of five teams. Like like the Utah State-Oregon State game. That would have been a perfect Christmas Day game to be on. This right. is a game, if you don't catch a minute of it, you're not missing much. Yeah, Georgia State's been able to cover uh, a lot of these games, but we'll see what happens. This time on Christmas Day, I'm with you. I wish, I wish there was a better game to choose from. We have to wait two days till the next bowl. It is uh, the Quick Lane Bowl, and uh, it's going to be Western Michigan taking on Nevada. There's a lot of players sitting out in this one, no Carson Strong. A lot of top players are not going to play or are part of that skipping, getting to the NFL pre-draft stuff. Uh, exciting one, hopefully. I think a lot of points can still be scored. Western Michigan uh, this year, up and down, uneven season. I don't think their defense really uh, has what it takes to make this uh, a low-scoring game. So why not Western Michigan and upset here? Oh, I like them a lot. I think that they win this game. And remember, they beat Pitt in Pittsburgh this year, and they did it with a lot of passes over the middle slot receivers. Nevada's okay this year. Like They've been solid. But I, I expect Western Michigan to win this game. It's in their state. You have to think a lot of the friends and family of the program are going to show up, even casual viewers in the Detroit area. I'm sure the tickets are not expensive. They'll want to see a local team in the state. And for Nevada – Again, as you said, no Carson Strong, no Cole Turner, their, their top tight end, who's a really good, like he's almost like an extended receiver the way he plays. So on that level, it's disappointing that you don't have, you know, a future first or second round quarterback out there for one more game. But yeah, I'm going to go Broncos on this one. It's not quite the row the boat Broncos back when they had P.J. Fleck, but it's a pretty solid team altogether. And I do think that they win this game. And would it be surprised if they win this game by more than seven points? So the Military Bulls next. It's East Carolina versus Boston College, a slight favorite in this one. And uh, I like Boston College. I like Halfley, the Ohio State guy who's starting to turn this program around, has some growing pains in there. But in addition to picking the game, Kent, I, I do want to know your thoughts on a Pittsburgh guy, a former Notre Dame guy, Jerkovich, and what do you think his upside is going forward? And, you know, I know that when he left Notre Dame, it was, it, it's, you know, it, it was the best thing he could have done for his career. But this is somebody that, has a lot of NFL buzz. The injury, I think, definitely made him have to, I think, it made him go back to school. But your thoughts on the quarterback is he's built like a tank and he's willing to uh, go back for one more go-round. Yeah, I think it makes sense for him to come back. He was injured for some of the season. Uh, Boston College had a really good offensive line in front of him. I like him as a passer. He's a very good runner as well. He's really athletic. You know, was an all-state basketball player as well. But the one thing about him is, his awareness in the pocket has to get better. He's been now a starter for two seasons, and he's a lot of times he gets happy feet in the pocket. He doesn't stand there. He's tall. He should stay in the pocket a little bit more. And then he'll force some passes. So mm-hmm. overall, I do think it would have been a bad idea for, for Dracovic to leave. But you know what? I was, ho- I was rooting for him at Notre Dame. It would have been great if a Pittsburgh kid won the starting job. Obviously, when Ian Book came back and – basically he cemented that he was going to be the starter for you know third season there was no reason why Dracovic at that point should have stayed there was a lot of stuff with the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame back in the day with Chip Long where they did not get along but overall 
I'm glad he's back. I think that Halfley is doing pretty good things there. They're recruiting better than they have been in the past. Uh, you can watch Boston College play, and seemingly they're in every game, even if they don't win those games. And I would like to say probably heading into next year, it wouldn't surprise me if BC you know, is a top 25 type of team that's you know, in the top two or three in their division in the ACC. So, yeah, I hope for his sake he does well. You know, I like seeing a Pittsburgh kid do well. and It didn't work out at Notre Dame, but that doesn't mean it can't work out elsewhere. So I guess we'll find out. But it, it's a solid matchup for mm-hmm. him, too. Because mm-hmm. East Carolina is not that good of a team. Uh, Ehlers, their quarterback, is very good. And he's the type of guy that's a really good college quarterback. So on that level, it should be fun watching this game. But I would think that BC will play a complete game and find a way to win. And as I said, try to build something in the next season where they're still in kind of the early stages of where I think Halfley wants them to be. Agree with you there. Let's go to the 28th where there's a lot of games. Uh, the Birmingham Bowl, always a classic, has Houston and Auburn. Uh, Harris, <laughs> Brian Harrison's uh, season was all over the place. Bo Nix at Oregon. I think you sent me that as well. And, you know, they had the game where they had Alabama beat and could have altered the playoff race forever, but was not to be. So there's that game. There's also, among others, the first responders bowl, Air Force and Louisville. That line is just one point as of right now. So looking at those first two games, anything stand out at you, uh, Kent, maybe even from a betting perspective? Yeah, I think Auburn at home is interesting because this is an Auburn team. When they played well, they were good. Uh, they went up to Penn State. They played them tough early in the year. I know that game now on paper, record-wise, doesn't look good, but they showed some promise. Alabama, their defense was amazing. They played 59 minutes of dominant football defensively. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, the final minute wasn't quite that way. LSU, they went on the road in Baton Rouge at night. I know that LSU struggled this year, but anytime you can go into Tiger Stadium and win in prime time, that says a lot. So there was a lot, I think, the Harsons team has that talent-wise, they're way ahead of Houston. Houston, though, their only losses, Cincinnati is in the playoffs. And Texas Tech opening week. So their, their team throughout the season was way more consistent than Auburn. But something tells me if you throw Houston into the SEC West that they're probably 6-6 six and six or worse. So yeah. I'll go with Auburn here. It's uh, yeah. not quite a home game, but it's in their home state. There's going to be a lot of kids that probably want to show up and play well in Birmingham. And for the Houston Cougars, I think they're getting a little bit too much value based on what their record was and their ranking. But I don't think that they have the team that probably matches up as a true top 20 team. So I'll go with Auburn here to win. Again, it's like a lot of bowl games. What's the incentive and who wants to win it more? If Auburn's players don't want to win this game and nobody shows up trying, A, that's a bad sign for a first-year coach in Harson, and then B, Houston probably wins. But I would like to think that Harson will get a lot out of this team and they'll be pretty focused. What's your take on the Mike Leach Bowl, the uh, Liberty Bowl with Mississippi State, Texas Tech, Mississippi State, nine-point favorites. I actually think the over 59.5 is one of my favorite bets of bowl season. That's probably pretty safe. And then Will Rogers. It's funny because Mississippi State defensively has actually been pretty good. So you almost wonder if maybe they only allow like 20 and they don't quite get 40. But I look at this game and Texas Tech can't stop any good pass game. That's the truth. Will Rogers, in terms of efficiency, uh, he was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the nation and was one of the most efficient. I think he's Mike Leach's most efficient since the Texas Tech days. So uh, he's, he had a great season, and uh, 
I like a blowout of this game. I really think that Mississippi State is going to win this pretty easily, and I wouldn't doubt if they win it by 14 or 17 points. I totally forgot that the Holiday Bowl is going to be at Petco this year because why wouldn't it be? There's really nowhere else to play it down there. It's UCLA and NC State. NC State, Ken, as you know, I mean, just excruciatingly it was the way that they didn't make the ACC title game this year. Just two heartbreaking losses that kept them out of the game. UCLA started fast, faded a little, finished strong. Obviously helped to play USC during that run. But uh, with this line at just one point, I think it's a true pick em. Maybe just go over again, just have fun with it. But don't really have a pulse on this one. NC State is one of the weirdest teams you could That's ever probably bat. why. Yeah. So I would say that this is another great example of wait and see during the game and see what's happening. Uh, I guess I would go the dog here uh, just because I like what UCLA does up front. And Chip Kelly finally got them to like a good record this year. If they can cap off their season with nine wins, that would be pretty special. On the other hand, Dave Doran just keeps every year at NC State. You look at their record at the end of the season, and you go, "How did they go eight and four? How did they go nine and three? How did they go ten and two? And you're always wondering how they come up with these records. And a lot of it is they always beat the bad teams, and then they upset somebody, if not multiple teams, along the way. So uh, they've been the better program the last few years, but I'll go with Chip Kelly and his Bears. I know that Dylan Gabriel's on his way to being the guy next year. I assume Dorian Thompson-Robinson is graduating and moving on. I wouldn't think that they'd bring in Gabriel so that he can go head-to-head against the DTR. But I like yeah. the UCLA team, and I think this is a pretty solid matchup for them. But as you said, since you State, I mean, just they, they've had some tough ones. And the Miami game, was tough. The North Wake Carolina North game, game was tough. <laughs> yeah. You know, on the other hand, they got lucky to yeah. beat North Carolina. Know, so they lucky. were down nine with a minute and a half left yeah. and won that game. So, so maybe it kind of balanced out. I also thought the guaranteed rate bowl is the last game of the 28th, and uh, Minnesota got a guaranteed rate. They just hired away one of West Virginia's coaches. So I think I think there's something to that minus five. I'm rowing the boat in this one. Yeah, a very disappointing year for Neil Brown in West Virginia. I, I like him as a coach, and I thought when he came in from Troy that he would sort of elevate them. They're in a tough spot, though, in that they have no geographic advantage in recruiting in that conference. You know, if you look at the Big 12, I think it will help West Virginia to get Cincinnati and UCF in the conference because now you can sell the Florida recruits of you're in our conference, we have a team there. You can go into Ohio a little bit more, which Morgantown's right there on the border of Pittsburgh and into Ohio. So overall, right now with West Virginia, like their <laughs> best recruiting base yeah. is Western PA, Ohio, Maryland, Virginia, and none of those states play in the Big 12. Their closest team they play is Iowa State. And let's be real, how many of the recruits that they try to get at West Virginia – even know where the state of Iowa is, let alone which team Iowa State is and where they play in Ames. It's almost zero. So it's a hard sell. You're basically trying to convince kids locally to come to your program and then have to travel halfway across the country for every road game. So uh, I like Neil Brown. I, I always want WVU to do well. I enjoyed growing up and going to some games there, and the pit rivalry was always fun to be at. But right now, 6-6 six and six for – a couple years in is not good, and they're going to have to turn things around next year. So I'm hoping they win this game. I'm not the biggest Flex fan. I don't necessarily <laughs> want him to get that ninth win of the season. So 
I'll go with WVU here and hope that they pull it out. Now, Neil Brown is 4-0 straight up uh, in bowl games, so a couple more and we're going to have to get the Undertaker, you know, graphic out. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, all right. I'm trying to think yeah. right now, who was Taker's fifth WrestleMania opponent just off the top of my head? Uh, it was probably like, it might have been Diesel, right? That's about 96, Luka, maybe. Jake. Who was WrestleMania Giant, Giant 9? Gonzalez. Giant Gonzalez. He was off for 10. King Kong Bundy 11. Who did, so Diesel. WrestleMania 12. Yeah, that Diesel. Was, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Wow. Okay. How about that? Big Daddy Cole. So, Big Daddy Cole. So, so this is Neil Brown's equivalent of beating Big Daddy Cole yeah. Diesel. Because when you say Big Daddy Cole Diesel, I think P.J. Fleck. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know Fleck had to be a wrestling fan. Oh, yeah. The guy likes the candle every day and puts it out in the building. Uh, uh, all right, Ken Brown here, oh, Money Mitch Effect. We'll start to fly through some of these. The two baseball bowl games, you know, Fenway Bowl, SMU, Virginia, Pinstripe Bowl, Virginia Tech, Maryland. I don't, I mean, all due respect to the Commonwealth, I think there's better games to bet on. I don't really have a read on either of these two. Um, you know, that said, if any of them stands out to you, Kent, I'm always looking at that Cheez It Bowl, Iowa State, your beloved Ames, taking on Clemson. Yeah, I would say right now, and I'm, I'm, I'm checking to confirm, but if Brennan Armstrong is playing, I'd love Virginia to have a chance to win that game and covering it because it's their coach's final game. Uh, and w- when you look at it, Mendenhall has done a great yeah. job there. You know, he's won the division. He's gotten them into the upper echelon of that division on several occasions. And I look at SMU, and they're going through so many coaching changes with Sonny Blake. You know, leaving Rhett Lashley will be there. Their defensive coordinator has changed. And for Virginia, there's a lot of continuity and there's a way of trying to make sure you finish this out. So the fact that that line is two and a half, is that what you're seeing? Uh, yes, that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, I would say I like Virginia by more than a field goal. So out of these early bowls, that's probably one of my best bets. Again, I would wait till the day or day of to just double check that Brendan Armstrong is officially going to start and there's no reason for him not to at this moment. I think he's healthy enough. He played his last game against uh, Pitt to end the regular season. So, uh, And then Maryland Vautech, no real read on that. Those are two programs that seemingly are just very much middling at the moment. Clemson-Iowa State, as you said, though, that's a fun game, a preseason game that both teams were looked at as potential playoff contenders, two coaches that most programs in the country would take. A little surprising that Matt Campbell hasn't jumped elsewhere. But for Dabo Sweeney, a lot of people have ripped Clemson this year, and some of it is justified. But if he wins this game, it's 10 wins. That's not that bad of a season. Uh, they'll finish in the top 20. They'll be 10-3. and three. And for Iowa State, this is kind of an end of an era. It's Brees Hall's going pro. Brock Purdy is gone. Charlie Kolar is an upperclassman. Like a lot of the guys that sort of built this program up, They'll end their careers with a Fiesta Bowl win last year. They would love to end their career by beating Clemson, who's been as steady a program as anybody not named Bama. So it's a huge game for both teams, and uh, I'll go Iowa State here. Why not? I think that they're a little bit better than Clemson at the moment just based on this season. And if you're going to give me the point, I mean, of course you take the money line in this case, but I'll say the Cyclones ride it out and win their eighth game of the year and end on a high note. You can't go against Ames. I knew you were going to do this. <laughs> exactly. I I agree though. I mean, I I think that Clemson winning here it's 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 pretty spectacular. What would happen would be the how great their floor is, right? Like if this is as bad as it gets for Clemson, yeah. oh, what was me? You've won ten games. 
uh, Iowa State end of an era. Hopefully there's something there. A lot of wrestling themes on today's show. Um, maybe this will be a Hell in a Cell match. Who knows? Um, we're going we're gonna to finish this uh, round of bowl previews with the last game on the 29th. And it's a fun one. It's the Alamo Bowl, Oregon and Oklahoma, Kent. Uh, the last two dominoes to really fall in the coaching carousel were these two two jobs where you have Cristobal left for Miami, Oregon hires the young Dan Lanning, Oklahoma hires Renables to make his return to Norman. And I guess you're wondering, Oklahoma three-and-a-half-point favorites, which version of each of these teams show up? Does Caleb Williams just completely ball out against an Oregon team that looked lifeless in the Pac-12 title game? Will they be motivated uh, up in Eugene? Will, will Oklahoma travel well and, and have their head in this one? A lot of uncertainty, but I'm leaning sooner as the more I break this game down. I am too. I think it's kind of the opposite of last year where Oklahoma, you know, played a Florida team who was limping in and you almost wondered like, does Oklahoma want to show up themselves? And clearly they did this year. You have an Oregon team. Thibodeau's already announced he's turned pro. They've had Micah Pittman's out as well. Who's, you know, like one of their best receivers. Uh, they've had a bunch of injuries on both sides of the line. They have good players, but I look at Oklahoma with Bob Stoops coming in to coach this game with the stability of the fact that Oklahoma has been a more of a premier program over the years. I think they'll win this game and it wouldn't shock me if they win this game kind of the same way that Utah did where it's like going away, maybe not by like 30 points, but something like a 14 or 17 point win. And I'm excited to see it. You know, I, I, I look forward to the Alamo bowl almost always has like a pretty good matchup because they get like the pac 12 runner up. And a lot of times a really good team from a, you know, the big 12. So, uh, and for Oklahoma, as much as I question Venables as a head coach, meaning like some of the hires that were made, I don't question. I do think as a head coach, he might not quite be, you know, the way Lincoln Riley was or Bob Stoops, but he's hiring a nice staff like Jeff Levy coming in to be their offensive coordinator, uh, keeping their offensive line coach in uh, Bill Beatonball is a huge deal. And they just seemingly are making the right moves, but, I'm going to go with Bob Stoops here. I'll say he comes back, he gets the win, and like you said, it's Caleb Williams, it's a good running game, and it's a decent Oklahoma defense up against an Oregon team that's kind of treading water at this point. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with OU and say that they defeat the Ducks. Yeah, I think Caleb's going to have Tyler. Yeah, I, I think Caleb's going to have a huge game as well. Good call on the Stoops coming in, the, st- the stability factor. Barry Alvarez style, just coming in to coach a game, be that head coach. Yeah. Head coach legend uh, coming in. Why can't this happen more, though? Like, why can't there be, like, it would be funny to have, like, Notre Dame's playing Oklahoma State. It would be funny, like, you just get one offensive series where Jimmy Johnson and Lou Holtz just call the game. So it's like Lou Holtz, you get to coach one series on offense or defense. Yeah, why not? Jimmy Johnson, you get to do the same. And just see what happens. Like, it would be funny to watch. Or Les Miles, he's not doing much. No, I mean, yeah, he's definitely not doing anything, not uh, not anything at all. Uh, yeah, I think that would be a good idea uh, to just kind of work in legends. And, you know, Notre Dame has their options. You know, they've got different players, to the different coaches to go to. Kent, I mentioned that we're going to, you know, be previewing the rest of the Bulls next week. But seeing as how you root for like 37 teams, I'll let you talk about some of your bowl games that are still coming up with Miami taking on Washington State, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame in a bowl game, the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, and, and Pitt, as we mentioned, playing Michigan State without Kenny Pickett. So do you think you're going to go three for three in terms of fandom or be let down in a couple of those settings? 
Well, Pitt, I'm more of, I always hope Pitt does well, but I wouldn't call them, like, I'm not a diehard Pitt fan or anything like that. You know, if they're winning, it's cool. I'm happy for the hometown team. A lot of my family are Pitt people. But I don't, like, go out of my way to cheer for them, especially because they play Miami and they play Notre Dame, like, every year, especially Miami. For the Canes, I don't think the game matters at all for them. Uh, If you look at it now, like, it's another Sun Bowl with a coaching change. Washington State kept their head coach. Seemingly for Miami, the offense has been pretty good, and I'm looking forward to watching the game to see how, how Van Dyke does. Really hope he doesn't tear his ACL the way Pierre did last <laughs> year in the Cheetah Bowl. That would be a bad sign. But my guess is Miami loses the game just based on the fact that Washington State kind of has their act together and their coaching staff in place, where Miami it's like some coaches are one foot out the door, other coaches know they're not going to be retained. And the defense, there's a lot of guys there that – did not play well this season, and I don't expect them to all of a sudden play well in a Sun Bowl that's pretty meaningless for the program. So mm-hmm. I'll go with Wazoo to beat them in that one. And then for, for Notre Dame, it's a huge game. It's the start of the Marcus Freeman era. They get to play a top-10 team in Oklahoma State. Uh, it's a good team. It's a team that was, what, an inch away from potentially making the playoffs uh, with Oklahoma State. So they're a damn good football team. And for Notre Dame, yes, there's no Kyron Williams. There's no Kyle Hamilton, who was hurt anyways, but it's a big game. You'd love to be able to snap that New Year's Six streak where they haven't won one of those games since January of 94. So for the Irish, it's kind of the start to your 2021 year, or or the start to your 2022 year, I should say, where it's not only January 1st, literally, it's also the start of a new era. It's the start of a new season. And if you get this win, it's a huge deal for Marcus Freeman and the rest of this team because all the coaches are pretty much returning. A lot of the players will be back for next year. And as we know, Mitch, after this top 10 game against one OSU, they go their next game as a top 10 game against another OSU next year in Columbus. And uh, it'd be nice to get this win for the Marcus Freeman era. Otherwise, it very well might be 0-2 to start his career. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see you know, I think the players will be motivated because obviously they're happy to still have the infrastructure in place. Um, with with Both obviously teams even. now yeah. Oklahoma State's without a D coordinator, so that hurts with yeah. Jim Knowles being out. But I remember this is not a program at Oklahoma State that gets to be in the spotlight. A exactly, lot. this is a lot of the times, loss of the last game hurts, but this is a huge year for them. Absolutely, and on top of it, they, these programs have never played each other. So for Oklahoma State, they would love to be one and zero against Notre Dame, and for the Irish, they would love to get that signature win against the Cowboys. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a big game. Like, in terms of the New Year's Six, you can make an argument that for both programs in the game, this is as meaningful as any game not in the playoffs. Maybe you throw Baylor Ole Miss into the same deal, uh, but it's certainly not Ohio State with them kind of being a letdown to be in the Rose Bowl, as good as that program is. And on top of it, it's certainly not Pitt against Michigan State because the best players aren't playing. Yeah, it's just a shame that uh, you know LSU's new Southern preacher uh, isn't going to be available during this game because I'd wonder what. You wonder if he'll watch the game. It's funny because like when some coaches leave, like for instance, there's some coaches that leave, and you can probably tell that like they're texting. Do you think he watched? Do you think he watched Cincinnati, Florida? (laughs) Do you think he watched Cincinnati? No, I I know exactly. So I don't think he's going to watch this game. I agree. I'd be a little bit surprised. I mean, he might on some sort of film next year, there might be some reason for him to pop in something to kind of see like tendencies for some team or whatever, or look at some sort of game charting. But 
yeah, I don't see Bra- Brian Kelly doesn't come across to me as the type of guy that's like he won't know if Notre Dame wins their games next year until like he just sort of checks ESPN the next day and sees yeah. the score on the bottom line. Like I don't see him like Saturday night going, oh man, I wonder how those guys did today. I just don't think that's kind of his personality. Agreed. Uh, just what what a couple weeks for Brian Kelly. Just truly remarkable. Great content guy. I think we can agree. Hundred million dollars. I mean, you you can do a lot worse than that. You certainly can't. Uh, Kent Brown, appreciate you coming on the show, talking college football, previewing the Bulls. Have a good holiday, and keep remembering to play. You know, I know you're a big iPhone guy, and you love to play. You know, a couple of games. One of them is Clash of the Clash of the Clans. Most popular. And What's on the, top of that, yeah, the least Brian popular Kelly, too. When he goes to the bars in the Bayou, he better play G seven. On, he better. Good Lord. Yeah. He better. Uh, Kent Brown, thanks for coming on. Take care, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Huge thanks to Kent Brown. Unfortunately, UTSA did not get the win against San Diego State. So that's one bad pick we got to own. I have to own in particular. But thanks to Kent. A lot of good football. Army, Missouri today. And it just keeps going from there. Uh, always a pleasure chatting with him. Now we go to the pro game. It's Ryan Souls, 15 weeks into the NFL season. Bucks are stumbling. Who is that second team in the NFC? So the Cardinals are stumbling with the Packers in pole position. We look at the AFC as well with the Colts on the rise, the Chiefs winning seven straight, the Dolphins winning six straight. A lot of NFL storylines with Ryan Souls as we get ready for another week of football at the pro level. Here he is now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now to talk some NFL, friend of the show, recurring guest, Ryan Souls. It's hard to keep track of where we are in the season. Week 15, still three regular season games to go. Literally just finished on a Tuesday night. Ryan, thanks for coming back on the Money Mitch Effect. I'm happy to be here. It's crazy. It's I'm still getting used to the 17th game, and it makes it feel like I don't know where I am in the season. I don't know if that is why for you, but I think it's that extra game that has me feeling like that. Extra game, extra playoff spot, muddled races for seeds, you know, all across the board, let alone just getting in. I mean, there's just, you look at the AFC, it's a giant mess. But let's start here. It's uh, it's Tuesday, and uh, your your football team won a game. Now, <laughs> the contents of the game, there's actually two today with the Rams and Seahawks going. Rams winning that one. The Eagles win at home over the Washington football team. Uh, and as we mentioned before we started, a game the Eagles had to have not only to get back to 500, but to just beat a third-string quarterback. Oh, man, it had to happen. And just to kind of stay in the race, to make a playoff shot, but it's a division rival, cannot lose to the third-string quarterback. And uh, the team have been playing well, uh, running the football especially, and they were on trend with that tonight. They ran it 41 times, and at least Sirianni is, you know, keeping in the program with what, you know, dancing with who brung it, so to speak. Yeah, and and just to kind of go further on that, um, you know, it wasn't the best performance. They were down ten nothing early. There were some turnovers there. Uh, the Eagle defense has made some strides this year. They've they've actually, you know, in the takeaway game, they've been great um, yeah. at a great level. Uh, so you like what you see there. Uh, now here's what I was going to ask you as an Eagles fan. It's seven and seven, and it's already much better than last year. And it's been an up and down season. There's been high points and low points and. I just want to talk to you about your quarterback because when I watch Jalen Hurts play, I see the same thing. I see flashes. I see good plays. I see tough plays. 
but there are those inconsistencies. And just to kind of look at it from a different perspective, he's what I consider, you know, that great fantasy quarterback. He ranks in the top 10, but is he the guy? I mean, we're 14 games into the season. I know he hasn't played all of them, but I still don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, I really don't know the answer to it either. And, you know, I think they're just they're playing the best with the cards that they have. They have turned this into the Lincoln-Riley, you know, offense because that's who Hurts played for, you know, in the latter part of his college career. And they've turned it into, you know, a lot of RPOs, a lot of quick throws, read one side of the field. Um, But I think they'll ride that until they can't ride it anymore. Somebody, you know, makes themselves known in a draft or free agency or whatever. But, you know, I'm not – we've talked about this a little bit, but I'm not that impressed with the quarterback class coming out. The chances of getting somebody like Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson don't seem too likely either. So it seems like this is the option right now. And it's it's the energy and the positivity around the team – seems to be a lot better even though you could argue that Carson Wentz is a, is a better quarterback right now still in uh, hurts you know Russ is the only one that might be I mean we'll see what his offseason looks like you know there's all the drama there but I agree I mean the the QB class the unknowns it's not worth going after someone now if you are in the draft you have all this ammo and you like a player and they kind of fall to you a la Mac Jones did last year then maybe right. it's worth bringing him into camp for competition there's still going to be chances in the rest of this regular season and then in the playoffs should you make it for him to win a meaningful game with expectations because I feel like we were just at this point and then he had that clunker of a game against the Giants a couple weeks ago so he still has to prove at least to to the Eagle fans and the organization that he can win a big game exactly exactly looking at the other game tonight Rams beat the uh, Seahawks I know you were locked in on your Eagles game I don't know if you caught much of this one it was a typical dogfight between these two teams um Something to be said. First of all, the Rams defense just has Seattle's number. Like it's just Russell Wilson just has to just you know be be completely triggered when he lines up and sees Donald and company because he is under fire every time he plays this team. Yeah, I mean, and you talk about him being triggered. Whoever's got to block Aaron Donald yeah. has got feeling it too. Because I mean, man, just he is a, a, a wrecking ball out there and. It's just he can affect the game in so many different ways. He blew up a screen for the first play to start the game. Just he's he's a monster. The other thing, too, I mean, the Rams definitely deserve to win this game. Cooper Cup, two touchdowns. I mean, we could make our MVP list. I mean, he's got to be in the top ten somewhere in there uh, in that regard. Ryan, again, the officials just completely butchered a call at the end of that game. The, the, I don't know if you saw the play, but it was, I mean, this, this again, it happens with the Rams, the beneficiary, but... Um, another pass interference call right in front of an official. Not obviously not saying the Seahawks would have won this game, but I mean a clear PI just butchered by by the officials. Yeah, so I didn't see the play, but I just I think that's kind of been a small storyline of the season. The officiating just and you know pass interference is one thing, but just officiating with the taunting and uh, the bang bang plays. That just I think. A lot of that has just got to get worked out. And it seems like you take one step forward with some rules and you take a couple steps back. And I think a lot of these officials forget that we're not paying tickets to watch them. No, I agree. And and I give officials the benefit of the doubt uh, on a lot of things. But, you know, the clear, classic, you know, underthrown ball, defenders not turned around where there's contact before, that should be a no-brainer. Um, and again, we're, we're, we're ramping up, so this is only going to get worse with the stakes being higher. 
what I want to do is kind of focus on each conference in the playoff race because it's so muddled. We can kind of talk about how the game is respective teams in the last week. But looking at the NFC right now, the one seed belongs as it currently stands to the Green Bay Packers. They've been playing good football. They've been at times going through the motions. They hung on against the Ravens. But a team that's confident, Ryan, a team that kind of knows what they have and knows that they have an extra gear, uh, led by who I think we agree is, uh, at this point, the unquestioned MVP of the league, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you know what's funny? <clears throat> Green Bay feels like, you know, and it's not often you can really say that this late. You can, you know, most of the time this time of year, you can always say Aaron Rodgers is cooking, but him playing well and the team playing as well and the defense that you know they don't have Zadarius uh, Smith back they don't have Jared uh, Alexander back mm-hmm. so I think they're going to get better they this team seems a lot tougher um, just physically than they did last year uh, and I think a lot changed when they went into San Francisco and they beat them earlier this season um, they yeah. didn't get physical and I, I would not want to see them in the postseason with the way Aaron Rodgers was playing there dangerous no, uh, and the defense obviously has looked better. Uh, a lot of teams are banged up. That's going to be the uh, that's going to be the theme for how this looks. But you know, Packers have their injuries, uh, but they're not as banged up as other teams. Also, I mean, they're six and zero at Lambeau, so I mean, it's one seed, it's one bye, but it's also to play there throughout. I know they mm-hmm. lost the game last year to Tampa. But Tampa's motivations to repeat the hunger isn't quite there. Do we trust Dallas? It's like it's like a process of elimination. Dallas, whoever it is, do you see a team going into Lambeau and winning that game? It's a tall task, and the way the Packers are playing, if there's anybody that could do it, maybe it's Brady. But he's got a team that's banged up and you know isn't quite as hungry because they won it last year. Right, and that was the point that I was going to make for Brady. I think I think the Buccaneers got as good a chance as anybody when Brady has a full deck of cards to work with, but, you know, not, not having Godwin, not having Evans, having a insert Antonio Brown back into the lineup, hoping he can stay healthy and out of trouble. And, you know, Gronkowski always being kind of a, a dice roll. Anytime Wait, you said home. Antonio Brown staying out of trouble. I just want to make sure no, I, I said, got if, that. I said, if oh. they can keep him out of trouble. Yeah, said, okay. <laughs> he's, he's got to keep himself healthy. Yeah. They've got to keep him out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. I'm not optimistic on that one. I'm optimistic about a lot of things, but maybe not that one. Uh, I just want to mention Rodgers, too. I mean, 30 touchdowns, four interceptions. Uh, Much is made about how he's, you know, tied uh, Brett Favre on the touchdown passing list. Uh, For Packers, he'll break that, you know, and certainly this week, if not beyond. Uh, And he's done it. You know, he got to 450 touchdowns. That's the stat that blew my mind, Ryan. Uh, When he gets to 450, whenever that does happen, you know, they'll look at the guys that are there and the interception total. Favre's got 292, Breeze 211, Peyton 209, Brady 152, Rodgers with 93. So that's how many interceptions he has at the moment in his career. And, uh, yeah, it's just – and that's the thing. Like, you see these impressive high throws, the degree of difficulty that he – maybe Mahomes, but basically only he can make. He's also not turning the ball over. So it's not Mm -hmm. these reckless throws. These are – this is as precise as it comes. Uh, The best arm the league's ever seen. Absolutely, and and that's saying a lot considering Dan Marino played this game. Yeah, you know, and I just think that as much as we talk about Devontae Adams, it ain't just him either. You know, he's getting everybody involved, and I, it just it seems like he trusts all his receivers. So the question of you know if the Packers definitely look like that they're that team right now, and they win that Ravens game where Huntley 
you know, brings them back. And I, I don't think we're going to, you know, the Ravens went for two. We can debate whether the call wasn't right. We can, you know, this is who they are. Like they're not, <laughs> they're not hiding from it. Right. You know, it's like, no. this is what they do. And, you know, they just didn't execute. Um, but, you know, going forward with the Packers, I mean, they're the top team right now in the NFC. Do you have a, a number two? Is it completely a crapshoot? Is it any given Sunday, depending on how the seeds shake out? Because the other division leaders at the moment, I mean, there's a lot of turmoil even within their squads. Yeah, I don't really know if I had a number two. I might have said Arizona until they lost to Detroit, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. But them laying that egg, you know, really this late in the season really makes you wonder just – okay, is this team uh, a good, bad team? Is this team not ready to win yet? Is Kyler Murray not all the way right? I don't know. Is it Cliff Kingsbury? Is he kind of regressing to the mean? I I have no idea. You look at Dallas. uh, We thought Dallas was going to be prolific on offense and so-so on defense, and it's been quite the opposite. The defense is world beaters for Michael Parsons over there. And the offense sputters uh, at times and really is has a hit on all cylinders since the beginning of the season. And, you know, we just talked about Tampa Bay. So I think between those three teams, uh, somebody will pull in at number two. But I'm not confident. Uh, I, I, well, I'm not going to say I'm not confident. I think each of them has something you could grasp onto and say this is why they're not going to win. Well, I also want to say I think you got to put the Rams in that discussion now because they got yep. the win over the Cardinals and they're they're tied in the division with Arizona having the tie break, but they seem to have sorted out, you know, what's been ailing them. I still think, you know, they have some injuries there to deal with, but you know, it, it is true. There's there's a lot of flaws with all these teams. Tampa Bay, I mean, it's just crazy how New Orleans kind of owns them in the regular season, you know, and that was you know, that was a matchup, uh, a, you know, Cam Jordan, a vet that played a tremendous game. And the fact that they're just not healthy. I mean, if you don't have Godwin, now, now Godwin's out for the year. Evans is banged up. Um, you know, Gronk, like you said, can get hurt. Fournette's down, the secondaries in shambles. I mean, that is a lot for even the greatest Tom Brady to overcome. So I, I think on Bell today. I, I just, that that's the, that's the mark of a desperate man, <laughs> a desperate team. Absolutely. Uh, I would say, you know, looking at the cast of characters, I mean, you're right about the Cardinals. Like, I, I just think regressing to the mean, call it what you want. Kyler takes a lot of hits, and this has happened. This is a trend now. I've never really been sold on Cliff Kingsbury in tight games. I think he's got some concepts that work, but mm-hmm. when the going gets tough, can he, can he, you know, basically outcoach a team to victory? I don't know that he can. But this yeah. is a trend where Kyler gets hurt as the season goes along, and it all just comes to a halt. We've we've got you know, evidence of this now. So I guess my, my answer would be, I'd say the Cowboys, because we've seen this before, not saying it's going to happen, but we've mm-hmm. seen this before where our defense is kind of the leader and the offense can snap out of it and give you something and play well, you know, when called upon, they're going to need more from deck. They're going to need the running game. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying Zeke has, has slipped. I'm thinking that he is banged up and I think Pollard is good and you can ride both of them. But this defense is going to give them a chance to be that number two team. They're going to need more from their offense. But with Parsons and Diggs and, and that back unit, I think they're they're always going to be in whatever game that they're playing. Yeah, I think they're always going to be live just because Michael Parsons plays on the defensive side. I mean, he, he's been that effective this year. And rookie or not, he that, that kid is balling. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's who my de facto number two would be at the moment. Uh, but but to be honest, I mean, it might be laughable. But uh, you know how San Francisco's playing. Maybe they're like the three or four best team in the NFC because they're on fire and right. uh, starting to get healthy. 
They've got, I mean, both I think is tied for the league in sacks. Kittle's back healthy. And Kyle Shanahan's using Debo Samuel as a running back. I think he's got like the fifth most touchdowns for running backs this year. Yeah, and, you know, we said all that. We didn't even mention Jimmy Garoppolo, who's low-key is not playing that bad. No, and and if you, I mean, this is it's kind of like the Dallas model, model right now and what Jimmy G did to kind of get that team to the Super Bowl. Good defense, good running game, you know, make plays happen. Uh, they're getting their stride at eight and six. I mean, I'll just put it this way: like I would trust them a little more going into the later later weeks of the season in Arizona right now. I think I would too. I think I would too. And it's crazy because I picked three teams to come out of the NFC West. I just picked the wrong three. See, I got one I got right. I've had some bad picks, but Seattle was the team that I didn't have in the playoffs. Yeah. So I'll pat myself on the back for that. I've got some some you got some. To. Yeah, you know, it's funny because we weren't that far off. Remember the NFC South discussion where we're like, all right, who's the second best team? And we were all like, eh, I don't know. And, you know, none of them are there. But it, it, New Orleans had that big losing streak in the middle of the season. There has to be a seven seed. Your boys are in there. New Orleans is in there. Atlanta got dumped, so they're probably out of it. Minnesota, I, I, my, my theory is Minnesota will have a chance in the final game, probably final drive of the season, and then probably just blow it. Yeah, that very well could happen, and they would probably blow it in a Viking sort of fashion, and it probably cost Mike Zimmer's job. <laughs> and be honest, though, if the Eagles are going down to it and they have a chance late end of the season to get that seventh seed, which would maybe mean a date in Jerry World, would you be excited for it, or would you just be oh, like, 100%. This? Okay. oh, 100%, absolutely. Okay, because at that point it's house money, right? Like it doesn't really matter. Money, yeah, we're not supposed to win that game, but yeah, we can come here and play some spoiler, scare some, yeah, scare some folks, give Jerry a little heart attack. I'm with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like Eagles and Vikings honestly seem like the two teams that are most likely to be battling for that last spot, but still a lot to be decided. Uh, Ryan Souls here on the Money Mitch Effect. Looking at the AFC, I'll just get my stuff out of the way. I mean, the Browns losing that game on Monday was a killer. Uh, Nick Mullins played played you know hard, given the fact that they signed him, didn't really get the chance to work with the team. Uh, you know, kicking in this in this league matters. McLaughlin missed another kick at the end of the half, and mm. the Raiders found Car- Carlson. That's uh, maybe the best kicker outside of Justin Tucker in football. Um, they were in this game, Ryan. It was one they had to have. Solid performance, not great. Raiders, same. I mean, it just came down to a couple plays that ultimately didn't go my way. Yeah, man. I mean, what else is there more to say? There were a couple plays. You know, that last drive, I thought there was no other way that it could have gone for either of those teams the way the year has gone. And it's just it's unfortunate because I think both teams had some really high hopes. Both teams caught adversity in different ways. And the crazy thing is things are as crazy as things are in the NFC. One of these still make the playoffs. Yeah, but let's just be honest. I'm preparing Christmas, December 25th to watch Aaron Rodgers just ruin it. So. I understand. But that would that would ultimately mean, I mean, the final games are, I don't have the order in front of me, but it's Steelers-Bengals. So say they mm-hmm. beat, they lose to the Packers, beat Steelers and Bengals 9-8, and eight, maybe, probably with help. I mean, you, you look at this AFC, AFC playoff picture, it's just a giant mess. So 9-8 and eight could get in, but I think that would be, we're getting down to wacky and wonky tiebreakers. Um, well, it's not out of the question the way the Ravens have been playing for them not to win another game the rest of the way. They've lost three in a row. Honestly, looking at that, yeah, all, and Lamar coming back, what that's like. I mean, looking at this division, like, do you have an AFC North pick right now? I mean, 
I mean, I'm no. almost I'm almost obliged to, to maybe go Bengals just on how the schedule breaks. If the Bengals well, I, beat the Browns in the rematch, they're going to win this division, I would think. I will say this objectively: between the those four teams, I think <laughs> the funny. Bengals probably played the best all year. I would say. I think just in terms of up and down, they've been the least on the roller coaster. I think the Steelers. I think they were only going to go as far as Ben could take them. And this time, when we get to this time of year, he can't take you very far. I think they had high expectations for your squad, and we know what happened there. And I thought we thought Lamar was going to play better. But really, Burrow to Chase has probably been the most consistent thing in that division. So the Ravens have OT losses at home to the Packers and Niners. You know, you flip one of those games, they're 9 and 5, two, and maybe 10 and 4. Um, yeah, you go back to that Colts game too, and I think it was a game before they could easily be six and eight. So we'll see what happens. I mean, Sunday day after Christmas, Ravens Bengals. I mean, whoever wins that game, Bengals finish with Chiefs and Browns. So this is must win for their division. I would think is Absolutely. they win this game. Ravens it's the same way. I think the winner of this game is in the driver's seat for the division for obvious reasons. Yeah, um, and I, you know, and I'm not trying to project a little bit too much, but. This this might be big for Lamar Jackson. He has not signed his extension yet. He was, you know, we were talking about, you know, is is he going to be the next guy they back the Brinks truck for Brinks trucks up for after Josh Allen, and he hasn't played that well. And you know, you wonder should he have taken his money uh, early? So I I think Lamar's got to show some some things too. And the Ravens aren't that type of organization that, you know, they're not loyal to their superstars, but. You know, you got to wonder, is, is Lamar going to cost himself some money if he keeps playing like this? True, and and Huntley's looked pretty good. I mean, I don't know if he's got long-term NFL starter potential. The offense is catered towards that style of play, but he's looked pretty good. I mean, could would Lamar have played that much better against Green Bay? It's hard for me to think so. I'll give it to you this way. I don't know if he's a long-term starter, but if Mike Glennon could be in the league, there's a place for Tyler Huntley. You know, yeah, you know what I mean in terms of, like, can you – Go into a season with him as the guy and expect not to be. Because then the guy was undrafted, I don't think anybody expected this. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, uh, it's good to have. That's why. I mean, that's why we talk about it. Having a capable, capable backup. You're probably not going to win the win the Super Bowl if your guy's not there. But no. you know, hey. So uh, something that I don't think it happened in NFL history happened on uh, last Thursday night as we talk about the uh, as we talk about the uh, pecking order in the AFC. The hottest team in football, the Kansas City Chiefs, the number one seed, seven straight wins. Mahomes led three 75-yard drives in the fourth quarter in overtime. And I don't think that's happened before. So uh, they're back. He's back. We'll see how they handle the COVID issue. But, but Ryan, this team's found itself. And um, that that game was everything. They couldn't afford to lose to the Chargers twice. Now they kind of have, you know, breathing room on that division and the race to the one seed. And, you know, the (laughs) – Reports of the King's demise were were exaggerated because they're there. You know what I don't understand? And, you know, I don't have anything against the Chiefs. I actually like most of those guys. But especially if you're the Chargers, the Raiders, or the Broncos, you play this team twice a year. How do you not? I mean, how the hell do you not double Tyreek Hill on every play? Like, if anybody – he ain't going to beat us. Mm -hmm. If If Kelsey catches – it has 15 catches for 200 yards. I will shake your hand at the end of the game, but I'm not letting 10 beat me. And he beats these teams every weekend. Yeah. They know what they're trying to do. 
Yeah, it it's a little bit of a head scratcher. I mean, look, all three of these teams are five hundred or better. I mean, they're not far off too. That's what's what? crazy. I, I uh, Herbert, I mean, Herbert looked great as well. I, I think that you know Chargers eight and six. We can project what the playoff picture might look like. I mm. don't feel confident about the Raiders and Broncos. I do not just because of the game in hand that the Chargers can sneak in and get one of these spots. I think Herbert's that good, and they were right there. I mean, you're talking like a couple plays here or there, a couple of those fourth down plays. Um, you know, I, I, I think that I actually don't fall. I mean, Brandon Staley's gotten a lot of uh, slack for going for it as much. Um, a little overly aggressive at times, but hey, when you're playing the Chiefs, man, I mean, I'm, I'm, I get it. Got to be aggressive. Like, you have to I mean, do it. I get that, but I think, I don't know if you got to go for it in the first quarter. You know, you may get aggressive halftime at post halftime. Yeah. I don't know if I'm chasing it's just, points. It's I mean, just funny. It, yeah, it's just funny because, like, the game was so early, but there's always the threat of what happening exactly happening. Mahomes and that offense catches fire, and <laughs> field goals are irrelevant, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. That's hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, in Arrowhead, they went for it, you know, against the Browns in that Chargers game. They went for it early and they ended up winning the games. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the number one seed opened up, Ryan, because the Patriots lost to the Colts. Indianapolis, another team that, uh, you know, we got to start taking notice of. Wentz had just an awful game, but the defense, the play calling, Jonathan Taylor, uh, special teams getting in on the action. Colts are definitely an upper echelon team in the AFC, and it's time to acknowledge them as such. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, with, with Brady kind of not playing well these last two games, I think Jonathan Taylor would be that number solid number two for MVP behind Aaron Rodgers. And he and the defense have really been the heart and soul of this team. Um, and Frank Wright is just doing his best to not let Carson Wentz mess it up. Yeah. And Wentz is, look, I'm not, I'm not a Wentz apologist. I think we kind of are aligned in what we think about him. But I will say he can make some elite good throws it's a matter of just recklessness with with the football yeah so it's not like when when you say it i know exactly what you mean you're not saying mess it up in terms of like he's you know a game manager don't do anything stupid it's like hey don't don't really do anything dumb and you know get too aggressive yeah frank's a hell of a play caller man i mean he really is (laughs) he really is no they need each other uh so patriots i've kind of had this you know, premonition. We'll see how it plays out. But even when they were riding high on their winning streak, my thought was, hey, like Mac Jones, obviously love Bill Belichick as the greatest coach ever. But let's see how Mac plays in games that actually mean something now. You know, now he has expectation. I wasn't penciling them in for the Super Bowl because this is still a young team with a young quarterback that has to find its rhythm. So I'm I'm not even penciling them in for the division yet. The Bills-Patriots rematch is going to be fascinating to watch because the Bills have some major... As you know, Ryan, O-line problems. The Patriots uh-huh. D can get after Josh Allen, who might be wounded. But I just – you'll never see another game played like the one they played on Monday night. So that's so why I'm fascinated to see the rematch. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see it too. And, you know, as we get further on into the season, as the Patriots have to play against good quarterbacks, quarterbacks that, you know, are more than game managers and – maybe will force Bill to be more aggressive on offense. That's where you wonder how much they can put on Mac Jones's plate. So I think going forward, that's that's going to be how far they go because when there's only going to be certain teams and matchups you get in the playoffs where that Monday night sort of strategy is going to work, Mac's going to have to make some throws. And I'm not saying he can't, but they're going to have to empower that a little bit more. 
It's funny. The Bills have the highest plus-minus point differential in the NFL, plus 151, 8-6 record. So when they win, they really win. <laughs> so, uh, and I also want to give a shout-out, man. Could not believe it. Second biggest win streak in football, the Miami Dolphins. 1-7-7-7, and seven to seven and seven, right back in the playoff picture. Now, the schedule hasn't been great, but we see upsets all the time, so <laughs> that's no excuse. We do. No, no excuse at all. And, you know, Flores has just got the team – Playing well, this is what we thought the team was yeah, going to and not losing the locker room. I mean, that's a huge thing. One in seven football team. I mean, we've seen you know, another coach in that state's fired, and yeah. you know, and, and he keeps the guys buying in. Yeah, I think what they got to figure out though is this is the team we expected them to be at the beginning of the season. So, I think going into next season, how do they start hot? So, before we do uh, this week's games, do you have any? Do you have any predictions for how? like what the playoff picture will look like. Like if you were going to pick seven out of the AFC right now, who would they be? Oh, man. Um, so I think. We can put Chiefs in for sure. All right, we'll lock that in. The Chiefs in. Do you go Bills and Patriots? That's, see, that's where it gets tough. So I think the Patriots are a lock. I think Bill's going to get them in. I think I will go with the Bills. And then. I need to look at the uh, Tennessee's schedule to see who they have left because Dude, they look terrible. I, yeah, I knew that Derrick Henry slump was gonna come. It didn't come right after he got hurt, but that was good. That was gonna at some point throughout the year. So the Colts have an outside well, chance to win that division. Yeah, here's uh, how they finish: they finish Niners, Dolphins, and then Texans. So. So yeah, I mean, they got to win one of these next two to for sure get in. But they go yeah. Niners on Thursday night. I mean, it... <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna go Chiefs, Patriots, Bills, Colts, Chargers, and I'm gonna say the Bengals. So that's two. So yeah, so you got Chargers, Chiefs, Bills, Patriots, Bengals, Colts. I think that's six. So one more. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Titans get in? Yeah, maybe the Titans. I, I'm looking between the Titans, and I'm seeing if they're a team from the north might get in. I don't know. Maybe it'll be between the Titans and the Ravens. Yeah, I would say it'd be fun. I think the Titans are going to squeak in because of that Texans game, and that will probably get them to that magic number of 10. And I'll say Ravens because they'll just figure out a way to get in like they always do. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it'd be funny if the Titans didn't get in. <laughs> you know, I just, man. Well, Ryan, before I let you go, some games this week, we already kind of talked about it. Uh, the Thursday night game, Niners and Titans, another good chance if the Titans can stop the bleeding or if the you know Niners' as road favorites can keep it going. Browns-Packers on Christmas Day, a couple Christmas Day games as well. Arizona and Indianapolis, talk about two teams trending in different directions. Hopefully that's a good one on Christmas night. Yeah, seriously, and this could, this could be a bad game for the Cardinals because they're trending in the wrong direction. They do not do well stopping the run, and this Colts team is set up to go into Arizona and steal a game. Yeah, how you feeling after today's game with your, your birds taking on the Giants? Man, you know, one of those games where you beat Washington, it, it just sets up for them to come in and lay, a, lay an egg against the yeah. Giants. So I just I wouldn't bet anything on this game if I was a betting man, I tell you that. Baltimore Cincy is a fun one. That's got major AFC North implications. And uh I would put the the Rams on upset alert, you know, traveling into Minnesota because who knows what to expect from that Vikings team. Yeah, maybe so. 
Yeah, man, Patrick Peterson on uh, Odell Beckham might be interesting. Of course, we got the rematch, Buffalo, New England. This time it's in Foxborough uh, er, and an opportunity, Ryan, for the Bills to get revenge. New England coming off of a loss as well. So that one is probably going to be the game of the day based on how last time it went. I'll tell you this. I can't tell you who's going to win, but I can guarantee you that Mac Jones will not throw the ball three times in this game. <laughs> no, no. Uh, all right, well, that's going to do it for the show. Appreciate you coming on, Ryan. Uh, you know, where are we at right now with the panic of this could be the Cowboys' year? I know that that's always on alert with you. Um, not, not worried yet? Got to just, yeah, you know. I'm not too worried yet. Yeah. They got to win a playoff game for me to really start yeah. feeling it. And then if they win a playoff game, then they got some confidence and confidence. Mm-hmm. But right now, I, I'm I'm not worried. Okay, so once they get, if they get to the – the uh, divisional round, then it's like, okay, time to maybe heat up the panic button. And yeah, then yeah. from there on, it's like, you know. Yeah, then we got a problem. Yeah. Oh, God, hopefully not for your sake. Yeah, if it's, I mean, if the Steelers make the playoffs, I think I might just not talk football for a while. <laughs> so, yeah, you, man. we'll I'm... see. Ryan Souls, appreciate you coming on the Money Mitch Effect. We'll have to do this again soon. I appreciate you. Happy holidays to you and your listeners out there, man. And that will do it for today's episode of The Money Mitch Effect. Thanks to Kent Brown. Thanks to Ryan Souls. And thanks to all of you out there for listening. A lot of football coming up as we're, you know, staying inside. And whether you're in the Midwest or the Northeast, there's a lot of snow. you got a lot of sports to watch. Some football on Christmas Day. It's going to be fun. Make sure you catch every episode of The Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. And check out The Money Mitch Effect Facebook page for exclusive content, too. Follow me on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21. We'll be back next week as we get ready to preview the New Year's six games and much, much more pro football. Hockey will be back up and running. we got the start of tennis season coming around the way, too. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect for Kent Brown and Ryan Souls. Thank you, guys, everybody out there for listening. Keep enjoying sports. Have a very Merry Christmas.